0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I host this thing eight times a week. I'm very chipper, very enthusiastic all the time, naturally occurring. It's an inside joke. If you read the iTunes reviews, or read the last show, or listen to the last show uh, with Brady Quinn. We do that on video. You can watch some of our videos at YouTube.com slash CBS Sports. You can also download, subscribe, and leave a five-star rating if you have any question about any type of show or any type of football situation or any life event that you want to deal with, we'll answer it on the podcast. The funnier the, the question or the, well, the funnier the review, the better, like the more enthusiastic we'll get. Um, but you, you get the point. We'll answer it. I May mean, Try and time it around, you know, whatever, whatever event you want read. Like fantasy, we'll answer it on Wednesday or Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we That's something about a Thursday night game. We'll ask Jared Dubin about it.
1: Right now we're going to talk to Jared Dubin about Browns and Steelers. Dude, what's up, buddy? Hey man, uh, is, is Sean the one giving the life advice or is it somebody else? Not Sean. No, Sean. Okay.
0: I don't give it either. It's Ryan. We asked Ryan to give the life advice.
1: Oh man, that seems bad. Um,
0: you think, you think it's bad?
1: I feel like it's bad. To give, to For give, Ryan, like, Ryan's we... like the most respected. I know, but that means it's going to be boring. That's true. It'll be, yeah, it's not going to be like YOLO. Yeah, it's not going to be like, you know, go have fun. It's going to be like, be responsible. Take care of your kids. Like, it's not fun. Yeah, it's boring. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's boring. Um,
0: but you know what? That's okay. Uh, you know what? That's, it's fine. We like, we like boring sometimes. Like this Brown Steelers game is going to be boring. So we're going to, we're going to talk about <laughs> Brown Steelers.
1: Yeah. Um, who would have thought like when at the start of the season that the week 11 Brown Steelers game would be like one of the most boring Thursday night games of the year? Uh, me? It's a- AFC North. Yeah. But at the start of the season, it was like, Oh, the Browns so exciting. They got Odell, they got Baker. And I was like, Oh, the Steelers, let's see what they're going to be like without Antonio Brown. Now it's like two offenses that can't do literally anything at all. And the best chance we have for points is like, I mean, Fitzpatrick pick six. Hmm. And, uh,
0: It's gonna be an under game. I think it's well, I don't want to tell you what the over under is. We'll get to that in a second. I I actually think though like there are like a lot of stakes in this game just because the Browns believe that they're gonna try to make a playoff run. I still don't think I don't think they're gonna make it. But they be- they believe that. They don't think they're dead yet. And if you're Freddie Kitchens, you win a couple of games and all of a sudden you get that little buzz that you got at the end of last year. And it's like, all right, maybe Freddie just needed one more year. Maybe I needed a gel. Maybe this team isn't as bad as people think. Um the Steelers are actually the, the sixth seed right now. They're five and four. How the hell did that happen? They were dead in the water. They were one and four going to LA, starting Duck Hodges, and they're five and four now. Do you put it yeah. all Do you put it all on Minka Fitzpatrick?
1: Not all on Minka I I would say I put it all on their defense. I don't necessarily put it all on Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, this is in the preview, but obviously they've been significantly better since Fitzpatrick got there. But, I mean, T.J. Watt has been unbelievable this year. He's the number one graded edge rusher at Pro Football Focus. Bud Dupree having the best year of his career. Cam Hayward is sixth in pressures among interior defenders. Davon Hargraves 12th. Uh, Joe Hayden's playing really well. Steven Nelson has looked like a good signing for them. Devin Bush in the middle of the defense looks pretty good for them too. I mean, it's, it's not just one guy doing all this. Their whole defense is playing well at all three levels. Yeah. The, 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 the guys up front, I don't think are getting
0: as much attention because for whatever reason, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, the trade, you know, he, he gets dealt. They they give a first-round pick for him. I mean, like, you probably agreed with me at the time. Like, it didn't seem like a rational move for a team that just lost its franchise quarterback and was going downhill, but it's turned out to be a, a smart move. I mean, it looks smart now, right? Uh I don't, I don't realize, know. I, I, I realize, still think I it's... It, I realize it flies in the face of your principles as a analyst, <laughs> but, like... It looks like a a ra- it looks like a move you can later rationalize in terms of results, even though the process was not the right move.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at it's turning out to look better than it seemed at the time, but that doesn't mean it was smart at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like at the time, it looked like they were going to be uh like a two or three win team, and the the rationale that came out after the trade was that they actually had confidence in their offense and they were still going to be good with <laughs> Mason Rudolph and it wasn't going to be that big of a deal and that they needed this to upgrade the defense. That has not actually been the case. It's just been the defense has been so over-the-top good that the ineptitude of the offense has been somewhat irrelevant.
0: Yeah, the offense has been bad with Mason Rudolph. Is it Was it better with Duck Hodges secretly
1: or was it Jay, a James Conner thing? That was only that one game, right, that, that yeah, Hodges better, played? Yeah. 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 And I mean, if we remember, I think in that game they were up like 14 nothing in the first minute and a half cuz they got a defensive touchdown and then another fumble deep in Chargers territory. So I'm not sure we can really say if the offense was was better or not cuz it was a game where the offense didn't actually have to do anything and they essentially just kept throwing checkdowns all night.
0: Right. Yeah. And the Chargers were woefully underprepared for that game too. So all right, so well, let's talk about this game and how this plays out because sure. the Browns' defense is much better than, or well, the Browns' defense is not much better than the Chargers' defense, but like they're they are pretty good defense. And it looks like the only really critical player on the defensive side of the ball that they're going to be missing on Thursday night um, is Olivier Vernon, who is is uh is I believe is uh, he did not practice. I think he's ruled out. I'll double check the Browns' injury report, but I'm pretty sure that he, uh, he is going to be out. If he is out, I mean, maybe no huge surprise, but it does look like Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward will both be playing. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, Olivier Vernon is ruled out. We also have questionable Kendall Lamb and questionable Ricky Seals Jones, Eric Murphy, defensive back is ruled out. But I mean, it seems like by and large, it's going to be a pretty outside of Vernon, a pretty at full strength defense. How, how important is it that they completely shut down and lock down the Steelers in this game?
1: I mean, it basically decides the. I feel like there's two things that decide the entire game. One of them is whether they can stop the Steelers from doing anything offensively. Um, I mean, this is like make no mistake, this Pittsburgh offense is like straight up, it's bad. Um, 28th in yards per game, somehow 19th in points per game, largely because they've gotten you know defensive touchdowns and and good field position. You know, 28th in offensive DVOA. I mean, they have the fifth best average starting field position in the league, and they're still only 20th in points per drive and 21st in the percentage of their drives that turn into, you know, a touchdown or a field goal. I and mean, they're terrible on third downs, 23rd in the league, terrible on fourth downs, 28th in the league, terrible in the red zone, 28th in the league. Uh, if you can't stop this Steelers team from scoring, uh, given how good the Steelers defense is, you're probably not going to beat them.
0: I would agree with you. And, um, how much how much of a factor? Uh, Brian McFadden pointed this out on the earlier Thursday show, the Fantasy Show. He's heard that James Connor will be a legitimate game time decision. Do you think that is actually the case? Do you think? Uh, well, I mean, you know, don't you don't need to tell me what you think. How much does James Connor matter versus Jalen Samuels in that backfield, knowing that Benny Snell is not going to play? Because um, it, do, I mean, I love J. Sam, NC State guy, obviously great pass catcher, great red zone weapon. I don't know if he's a full blown feature back at this point in his career
1: yeah I mean the Steelers pretty clearly were reluctant to make him that over the past several weeks mm-hmm. now, I'm, I'm sure bmac has more information than I do but I mean I would be somewhat surprised if James Connor doesn't play he was a full participant in yeah. practice every day this week uh, maybe that means that they're not going to have him be you know the the full-on feature back that he's been for most of this season. maybe that means you know they'll mix in Samuels a little bit more but I mean it's it's not as though Connor himself has been all that effective. As the feature back either. I mean, Pittsburgh's averaging three and a half yards a carry this season. That's 28th in the league, 42% success rate on runs, 29th in the league. I mean, the the, the run game has been just as bad for them as the past game. Um, obviously they, they trust Connor a lot more to be that featured runner for them than they do Samuels or Snell or Trey Edmonds or Tony Brooks James who have been filling in in the last couple of weeks, but It's, it's not like the Browns run defense is that good, but the, the Pittsburgh offensive line, which has again been very, very good in pass protection has not really been good in the run game at all. They're, they're 29th in adjusted line yards at football outsiders and 29th in power situations too, which is, you know, third or fourth downs with two or fewer yards to go. They're only converting like 39% of those or some, something close to there. It's, uh, the run game has really not been good either.
0: Uh, I just saw. I saw it. It was on NFL.com. Nick Shook wrote about it uh, that James Conner was off the injury report. He doesn't have a game status listed, like he's not. This is questionable. He had full practice Wednesday, so I I think he's going to play. It seems like he's going to play. Um, Ramon Foster also likely back. Marquise Pouncey also likely back uh, or likely playing. I mean, how much is a how much is it huge to have all those guys basically at full strength? Though? I mean, do you think that this is a Steelers offensive line that can overwhelm the Browns defensive front?
1: I mean, I think that 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 offensive line being healthy and playing at a high level is sort of the biggest reason that the offense hasn't completely undermined their season, because the one merit of Mason Rudolph so far this year is that he's avoided turnovers. He's only got four picks uh, in, I believe, seven starts. Um, That's that's not a lot, you know, and uh, a lot of that is because he's one of the least pressured quarterbacks in the league, only being pressured... On, uh, on 28% of his dropbacks, which is one of the lowest rates in the league. And that offensive line, obviously, I mean, it's been one of the better offensive lines in the league for a while now. We had them very high in our offensive line rankings, uh, before the season. And I think you're seeing that in the, the way they've been pass protecting. And, um, obviously Miles Garrett is one of the best pass rushers in the league, but you could devote more attention to him if Olivier Vernon's not going to be playing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, It's very tough to get pressure on Rudolph just because the offensive line is so good, but also because they're not really interested in testing defenses down the field. He (laughs) throws a a lot of very quick checkdowns, a lot of quick slants, a lot of hitches. Like It's a very conservative pass offense. He's averaging 6.6 yards per attempt. His average throw is like a full yard short of the sticks, 31st out of 33 qualified quarterbacks. I mean – It's, it's not an adventurous offense at all. Then the reason they're able to, to play like that is because the defense has been so good. And, uh, you basically have to force Rudolph into mistakes by getting pressure if you want to, uh, want to avoid that. Sports,
0: Sports Info Solutions has him with 25 attempts on the season of, uh, 20 air yards or more, which is not, you know, a
1: lot. Yeah. It's got to be less than 10%. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, 12 of those on target, so also not a lot. I think mean, look, those are hard, harder throws, I get it. Uh, but I mean, this is what he was at Oklahoma State. He was a deep ball passer. It's so mm-hmm. a little concerning. Three touchdowns, no interceptions on those throws. And, uh, 281 total yards. Um, so not a terrible attempt, you know, I mean, I guess 20 yards, so 10 yards per attempt, not ideal. Um, but not a, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like when they take their shots, they're fairly calculated. Do you think that the, uh, do you believe that James Washington is sort of – I don't want to say – No. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he put up stats last week. And yeah. People thinking, all right, maybe this is uh, – it's what I think the fantasy community calls the shower narrative. Um, and He went to school with Mason Rudolph. So they shower together. So it's like yeah, – Yeah, but yeah. why
1: wasn't he good before last week? You know, he was terrible sure. before that. Um, I mean, the biggest thing with the the Steelers receivers to me is just seeing how – the Browns align their corners against them. Juju Smith-Schuster spends, you know, like 60% of his time in the slot, maybe even more than that. But the Browns' best corners are Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, who play on the outside. I don't know if you really want uh, TJ Carey lining up across from Juju on, a, you know, 60% of the snaps. You know, Denzel and Greedy, obviously they were out for a few weeks there, both of them. And they have not bumped down inside all that often, but I do think that particularly with Ward, I think it would be good. Like, it seems like he should probably just shadow Juju and yeah. ask Greedy and Carrie to cover Deontay Johnson and James Washington. Like, why do you want to waste? Denzel Ward covering one of those guys on the outside when you could have him guard the best receiver on the other team. It's just not really something that they've done defensively that often, Steve so I'm Wilkes. definitely Steve interested. A, Steve Wilkes is
0: not a very good big shadow coach either. you know. Like, right,
1: like you look at Patrick Peterson – Last yeah, year. he's the he, guy who
0: took Patrick Peterson off of shadow coverage, which like the only, like he's the best like man corner in the league, and he's like we're gonna play him in zone. It's gonna make his life a lot easier. It's like what are you yeah, doing? I, yeah.
1: and I mean, look, it makes sense. Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, I think, are both you know zone cover corners. That system works well for them for the most part. But I do think if if you just leave T.J. Carry one on one against Juju on the inside, that's that's it's asking for trouble. Maybe they don't think that Rudolph can cause that trouble because he's just not good enough, but. I would try to get a a better matchup there if if I was defensive coordinating. Okay. Uh, But there's a reason that I'm not, you know.
0: Well, there's a reason why Steve Wilkes got fired. And that's
1: because I don't know Sean McVay. That's why I'm not a defensive coordinator. (laughs) Offensive coordinator
0: anyway. Um, Okay. Uh, So you think the Steelers' offense will be less than prolific is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. uh, And I think as we'll talk about in a second, I think the Browns' offense will be less than prolific too. I'll let you tease it to the break. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about the Browns offense.
0: All right. Cleveland's got the ball. Pittsburgh's defense has been outstanding. Um, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to take your, cause this might be one of your talking points, but, um, Pittsburgh not giving up a, Nick Chubb has been arguably the most explosive running back in the NFL, non-Christian McCaffrey division, maybe. Um, but he says he, he rips off big runs all the time. Pittsburgh not allowing a lot of those, which is interesting, I think,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, look, they're not allowing any big anything, No big, not really any big completions, not really any big runs. Um, it's extremely tough even to just get first downs against them. And, I mean, you look at the numbers there, they are allowing a score on 30.5% of opponent drives. That's fifth lowest in the league. And they're forcing a turnover on 23.8% of drives. That's obviously number one in the NFL. And uh, the Browns are among the most turnover-prone offenses in the league. Um, the Steelers have been the team making the big plays when they're on the field. It's not really been the offense that's been doing it. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think they've, they have – Mika Fitzpatrick has 14 point, or I guess 12 points in the last two weeks –
1: yeah, I mean, look, he's got – I mean, in seven games, 34 tackles, five picks, eight passes defense, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and two touchdowns. And, uh, and during that time, the Steelers are allowing teams to gain 52.5 fewer yards than their previous season average and 6.2 fewer points per game than their previous season average. And those are the teams compared to what they do against the Steelers compared to what they've done against all other teams they're gaining 52.5 fewer yards against the Steelers and scoring 6.2 fewer points per game against the Steelers than they have against all their other opponents. That's, like, pretty ridiculous impact. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, what
0: do you think the Browns try to do? Because I think there's a – like, I thought what was interesting about the Buffalo game, and I'd pick Cleveland to win and cover, um, and I, my belief was that they would try to run Nick Chubb against a Buffalo defense that had given up a ton – of explosive plays in the in the rushing game, tons of twenty plus plays, uh, forty plus plays. I thought that it would be aggressive with Nick Chubb. I was worried that what they would do is try and force feed Squeaky Wheel Odell Beckham, who was going to be shadowed obviously by Tre'Davious White for the mo- for the most part. Um, and they still did that. They still threw to him twelve times for five completions. Now, granted, he drew two big PI calls in the end zone that actually didn't ended up not being touchdowns. But like my thing with um the Browns offense is that I think they're too worried about trying to make everybody happy instead of just operating as a functional offense and allowing like Odell Beckham's not the type of guy like Juju Smith Schuster's been great about this whole season and he hasn't had he's had one or two big games. He's been quiet, you know, he's young. He's not he's not a veteran who got traded for a first round pick, all of that I get it. But like the Browns seem so hellbent on making Odell happy that they do it at the expense of their offense. So do you think that they will try and do that again uh, this week?
1: I think that the problem with their offense is just it's not really well designed, more so than they're trying too hard to make guys happy. I mean, Odell has not really complained about his targets or his lack of production or anything like that. It's been, oh, yeah. like, Todd Munkin has been saying they need to get him the ball more. Baker's been saying they need to get him the ball more. Jarvis Landry's been saying they need to get him the ball more. And, I mean, they're all right. I mean, you look at last week, he had his most – uh, targets of the season, his most air yards of the season. He just happened to be playing against Tredavious White, who is, you know, one of the small handful of best cornerbacks in the league. And uh, he broke up four passes before Odell even had a chance to get his hands on them. Um, you look at the way the Browns ran their offense last year under the same. Play caller and the way they're running it this year, I mean, it just doesn't look the same really at all. I mean, there, there's not nearly as much of the RPO type stuff. There's not as much of the quick game type stuff. There's not as much of the defined like this is your read right away. It's a high low or it's a you know flood the zone type of concept. It's just the the offense looks significantly different to me than it did last season. Um, Some of what they did last week I think is interesting in the context of this week because they did do more of that quick-strike passing game type stuff, specifically like with Kareem Hunt, who had, I think, 12 targets or 9 targets uh, in his first game back. They lined Hunt up in the slot and as a split-wide receiver on, I believe, 15 snaps, which was more than he ever did when he was in Kansas City. Um, And they didn't really do any of that at the expense of of Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb still played 80% of the snaps last week. And, uh, I I do think that getting those four guys on the field together, Chubb, Hunt, Beckham, and Landry probably presents the Browns best chance for success just because they all have explosiveness in, in different ways. And they really just have not had a threat in either their third receiver or their tight end or a fullback or any of the various non Chubb running backs that they've played, like Dontrell Hilliard or anybody else. So I, I think getting those guys all on the field together, figuring out a way to spread the defense uh, horizontally and maybe get some vertical passes or some quick strike stuff, RPOs, screens, anything to get the ball into those guys' hands um, is a good move. And I think they especially need to do that against this Pittsburgh defense just because, I mean, we've talked all season about how bad the Browns offensive line is, you know, arguably the worst in the league. And this Pittsburgh pass rush is just unbelievable. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. TJ Watt, number one great at edge rusher, pole football focus. Bud Dupree's been great. Cam Hayward's been great. Javon Hargrave's been great. They definitely need to, uh, to lean on, on quick passing. And I think lean on, on Chubb and Hunt as sort of safety valve outlets. And then in the running game too. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, as Jason Lockin noted
0: in his Sunday column, 113 of the 116 rushing yards for Nick Chubb came with Kareem Hunt on the field. Uh, And then there was one There was one big run. I think it was the 24-yard run down to the one-yard line where Kareem Hunt laid an awesome block. And then as soon as they got down to the one-yard line, they pulled Kareem Hunt off the field. So what are you doing? Go shotgun with two running backs who both can catch the ball, spread them out, and run a draw at the middle, run a swing. Or like, you know, do an RPO with a draw and a swing pass. Like, it's not, I mean, like, I'm not
1: saying it's, you can see yeah, their th- goal th- line th- package is like embarrassing. Like, yeah. And it, it was not just last week either. Like, oh, season. It's gross. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. So let's get to, uh, do we miss anything? No. Right. I mean,
1: I mean, do, do we need to talk about just like Baker and Odell and like, just <laughs> like, what is going on with this team with the pass offense? Yeah. I mean, sure. why, why does the pass offense stink? Why aren't they on the same
0: page? So, I mean, and also, why hasn't Freddie Kitchens given, given play calling duties over to Todd Munkin?
1: Uh, Freddie Kitchens, I think, is probably a bit insecure in his position as the head coach and the play caller. He basically got the job because of the way he called plays down the stretch of last season for Baker. Um, and look, it's not like Todd Munkin doesn't have experience, uh, accounting for a terrible offensive line. That's what he did the last couple of years. With Tampa Bay I mean yeah. Tampa had one of The worst offensive lines in the league But he was able to design a passing Game that was both quick hitting And vertical and um, Yeah I mean I I can't Say I understand it um, and, and I don't know That Baker and Odell aren't on the same page I think that it's just It's a poor design of the offense like Every throw that goes To Odell has to be forced into such A tight window Um and then Baker's just been inaccurate throughout the entire season. A lot of it is like they've sort of undermined his confidence by not putting him in position to succeed. Yeah. A lot of it is, you know, the problems with of the offensive line. He's just become so skittish. He's like fading backwards on a lot of his throws. I think we, saw, I can't remember who it was against, but there was one, one game where the, the team was essentially designing their pressure package to account for the fact that he just keeps escaping back into his right. Yeah, and he would just, you know, escape into sacks. I think it, was it was the, might have been the Jets. It was,
0: it was the Rams, I think.
1: Was it the Rams? Okay. It
0: the, yeah, it was the Rams because they would have um they would have Aaron Donald like stun out to the left to his left, right? And they would get pressure up the middle, and then Baker would roll out right and he'd just run right into Aaron Donald.
1: Yeah, I mean that's I mean it's a theme throughout the entire season. And uh, even their RPO stuff, I think a lot of times, if Baker winds up just forcing the ball into such a tight window. I mean, nobody is schemed open on this team. It's a little bit ridiculous. Well, one of the things that I remember, I don't know if you know, long-time
0: listeners will remember from the preseason, we talked to Mary Kay Cabot of the of, of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com, and she told us that one of the concerns around the Browns was that they were trying to blend a Freddie Kitchens offense with a Todd Munkin offense and create a new offensive scheme for Baker which is the stupidest thing on the planet. Your offense was cooking at the end of last year in the second half. Use whatever you did there and run the same crap again with Baker this year. Like, it's th- do stuff that makes him familiar. Now, also, I would point out that
1: um, I don't want to bag on Baker here, but he hadn't been very good against – He's just been, like, not even, not very good is putting it about as kindly as possible. Like, he's straight up. He's been really bad.
0: Yeah. Like- well, but, but, I mean, like, I think the other thing, too, and this is why I think it's just interesting to see how – how this season plays out with him is that if you go and look at his um production, he typically struggles and he did this was true last year people sort of overlooked it, and i mean i 'm probably guilty there too he's bad, really bad against teams that rank in the top ten or fifteen in d v o a in terms of defense like he doesn 't play well against top defenses now he 's in the difference with this year is that he hasn't been good against bad defenses. Now they, they, like, I guarantee you, dudes, he will have two monster games against the Bengals. Like, before, like, you know, you like, could he'll- could have two monster games against the Bengals. Right. Like. Exactly. <laughs> but I mean, like, you look at the teams that they played, right? Tennessee, pretty good defense. The Jets, eh. I mean, they, they, that was a, that was a weird game, and he didn't even play well in that game. The Rams, very good defense. Top 5 DVOA. Ravens are, are hit or miss. He had 342 yards, you know. And he had that long sprint following Chubb. That was basically a Chubb game. San Francisco, eight of twenty-two for zero touchdowns and two picks. Terrible game. Uh, even Seattle, he hit through three picks against, which is bad. New England, obviously terrible. Uh Denver, pretty good game, but not a great game. Twenty-seven to forty two. I mean, that's okay. And then Buffalo, who actually has a pretty good defense. But he he was he was fine in, but he wasn't great. That's my concern here. If I'm if I'm if I'm the Browns, or I'm betting on the Browns, is that Baker Mayfield is going up against a great, uh great defense in the Steelers. You're morphed into a top five defense. So would you go over or under Baker Mayfield, 243 and a half passing
1: yards? I don't really see how you could go under on anything having to do with the Browns offense in this game. I mean, the Browns offense is a disaster. The Steelers defense is really good. They've been holding offenses to worse than their season averages, incredibly consistently. Um, it, I mean, to me, it probably depends on the Browns' defense putting their offense in good position to succeed, and um, I'm just not sure how much I can uh, count on that.
0: Mm, okay, so you think under that. It's very low, but you still think under. What about over-under Mason Rudolph, 228 and a half passing yards?
1: Yeah, I'll go under there, too. I mean, the guy has just not been good so far, and I don't really see any reason to think he's suddenly going to rip off explosive plays tonight. It's basically... You know, can Juju or Deontay Johnson break one, break yeah. a few tackles and take one deep?
0: It's, it's can Juju, like what if Mason had that, um, who was it against? Was it was against, he had his best game, his two biggest outputs of the year. I guess his three biggest outputs of the year. Uh, one, 229 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think that against Cincinnati on Monday night, I think that was the
1: Juju jailbreak game. Right, where he had like the seventy eight yard touchdown or whatever it was.
0: I mean it was he ran a he ran a deep crossing route. He hits him across the middle and juju just peeled around the edge and right. And
1: so. It was like an eleven yard pass that he took seventy <laughs> something yards to the house. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um and then uh, he had two hundred and fifty one passing yards against the Dolphins. That was because the Steelers got down fourteen nothing. Otherwise they wouldn't have let him throw thirty six times. Um and he still only completed fifty six percent of his passes, two touchdowns, one pick. And then uh, against the Rams, last week he actually had two hundred and forty two Which was a little bit surprising. Um so I would I would probably lean under too against a pretty good Browns defense. What about Nick Chubb? Uh over under seventy nine and a half rushing yards. That is a large number.
1: Yeah, I I just don't feel comfortable taking any overs, I don't think, in this game, except maybe like combined turnovers. Okay. Uh
0: I I I like the Chubb under. As I mentioned, the Steeler I don't know if I mentioned this. The Steelers have only allowed three 20 plus yard rushing, uh, mm-hmm. rushing gains since they got Mika Fitzpatrick, and one of those was to Paris Campbell. So, like, they're just not giving up a lot of explosive plays, so, uh. Brown's would,
1: gotta sign Paris Campbell.
0: Yeah, you know, or run an end around to Odell Beckham, maybe. Um, yeah, I'm seeing Chubb at 81 and a half. I will, I will happily take that under. James Connor, over under 64 and a half rushing yards.
1: Um. Yeah. I mean. I think I'll take the under there too. I, I don't foresee this being a particularly good offensive game. And you know, as I mentioned earlier, the Steelers' run game has just been bad. That includes Connor. Yeah.
0: Um. I have a feeling I have a, I, I have an idea, Dubin, where your final score, the sort of range of final score prediction, it might be at. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I might, I'm I going to guess. I haven't looked. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to guess your final score before you tell us. Uh okay. Juju, tell me if you like any of these overs, Juju. No. <laughs> Juju, 53-and-a-half. Nope. Beckham, 63-and-a-half. Nope. Landry, 59-and-a-half. Nope. Uh, okay. I'm going to guess your final score is 17-14 uh, Steelers. Vaguely close.
1: Um, Vaguely close. I have 20-16 to 16
0: Browns. Yeah. Ooh, okay, interesting. So you're all over it again. over unders is 41-and-a-half, so you, you like the under a lot. I mean, that's a 5-point cushion there
1: um and the the browns are actually minus three what makes you think the browns are going to win here Mason. i I mean as strange as it is to say i trust their offense more than i trust the steelers offense and the, the steelers I, I planned on picking the steelers coming into writing this until i dug into just how bad that pittsburgh offense has really been i think they've sort of been getting lucky here by winning these four straight games just based on i mean the, the offense is pretty inept and I just don't think you can keep winning games without an offense that is really a threat to score. Okay, I'm taking the Steelers.
0: I, I just think here, here I like the Steelers plus three a lot, um, and here's why: Freddie Kitchens. Good argument. Yeah, he's going to make. Some, <laughs> seriously, he's going to make some huge mistake. He should have cost them the game against the Bills, and Baker led a great drive down the field. Um, and I think that there's just two, this defense is too good for Pittsburgh to let the Browns do much of anything. And if Freddie Kitchens makes a mistake on prime time and it costs him a turnover, it costs him a time. You know, he's going to cost him something big in the game. Um, and I think they'll try and force feed Odell if Joe Hayden is ruled out and he is uh, questionable with an illness that they popped up. That would be that's a big red flag for me. And I might I'm not jumping off Pittsburgh, but um, you know, I, I and I think I might side with you. I think I might like the under more than anything tonight, 41 and a half.
1: I do want to note, by the way, the Steelers' five wins are against the Bengals, the Chargers, the Dolphins, Brian Hoyer, and Road Goff. Road Goff, like
0: Road Goff. Um, that's not a that's not a great list of teams. Yeah, but just do, want to note that.
1: Browners. Not that not that the Browns don't belong in that group. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, granted, their four losses are to the Patriots, Seahawks, Niners, and Ravens. So. <laughs> The Browns belong in one of those groups considerably more than they belong in the other.
0: Interesting. Well, this is gonna be a big game. Pittsburgh would be five and five. The Browns would also be.
1: No, they'd be four and six if they win. Four and six. But if they win this game, you're four and six. You're not right. dead. All of a sudden, they're a game and a half back out of the playoff spot and only a game back of the Steelers. That's
0: right. And they have they already beat the Ravens once. And they have the Ravens again. I'm just saying they have the Brown, they have the Bengals left twice in the schedule. They got the
1: Bengals twice. I think they play the Dolphins. They play the,
0: they play the Steelers, then the Dolphins, and the Steelers again. And then the Bengals. And they might – they already played the Jets, so they don't have them. But they might have like the Cardinals or somebody, I'll tell you, in one second. Yeah, so it's Steelers tonight, Dolphins next week, Steelers again, Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens, Bengals. I mean, look, if this
1: team is supposed to be good – you can win five of those games. I don't think they're supposed to be good anymore is the thing. Like when you're nine games into the season and you're three and six and your offense is bad and your defense is like slightly below average. And I mean, your your point differential says you should be a three and six team. Like you're not supposed to be good anymore. You're just a disappointing team that is uh, pretty bad. Maybe you could turn it around, but I wouldn't say anymore that they're supposed to be good. Or you're a team that got
0: overhyped expectations. You're probably going to finish around 500, and you took the proper step in building a franchise, but people got too excited about you because you traded for
1: Odell Beckham. I don't know, man. Like it's not like they've played the most difficult schedule in the world to start this season. I mean they beat the um, Ravens.
0: the Rams were the Rams aren't good. That lost to the Titans. They played Luke Falk, and um, they man. lost to Brandon Allen two yeah, weeks ago.
1: That's, like, yeah. They should have lost to Josh Allen.
0: Yeah. like They should have lost that Bills game. They tried to lose They, they, they completely, completely
1: blew through. the Seahawks game. Yep.
0: Like they, they're a, they're a dumb team. They're a really dumb team. And that's why I'm going to like, I don't think that Mike Tomlin's the world's greatest coach, but I'm going to take the, the better, the much better coach, the much more prepared coach on a short week in the division. Um, even when that with, is a hundred percent reasonable, even with the worst quarterback. All right. Let's get out of here. Great stuff as always. We will Sounds talk good, man. Uh, on uh, Monday, which will feature a game between two teams that I'm forgetting now. Who plays?
1: Chiefs Chargers in Mexico. Oh, Chiefs City? Chargers
0: in Mexico. We'll do. Uh, we'll get chips and dip and do a we have Taco Monday.
1: No, we might have to uh, check with LeBron. He tried to trademark Taco Tuesday. Let's
0: get out of here, LeBron! People doing Taco Tuesday for years, pal. Come on,
1: yeah ridiculous all
0: right dudes good stuff as always buddy later